It is football and other F words, and boy, do we have a lot to get to. So first, let me thank our sponsors, Bluegrass Beverages, Hendersonville, Tennessee. Uh, I will actually be stopping off there this weekend. We, Me and my brother-in-law, formerly for those that are old fans back in the day, DJ EJ, we have a barbecue contest in Hendersonville this weekend. So I got to get some um, libations and some provisions, and I'm going to, of course, go to Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville, Tennessee. Feel free to come out and see us at Pig Fest in uh, some the some park off uh, Veterans Memorial. I'll never remember the name of the park, but the uh, Veterans, I think it's Veterans Memorial, uh, is 385 up here. So come see us. We'll be there uh, Sunday e- or Saturday, Friday evening, and all day Saturday. We're going to have some barbecue for everybody that comes out. And uh, hopefully we're going to come back with some wins and some trophies and stuff. So that, but thanks to Bluegrass Beverages, the only place I'm going to shop for some alcohol in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And if you're in Nashville, go to Sinker's Beverages. They've won another award. They are just winning some awards left and right. They are unstoppable, undefeated Sinker's Beverages in East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm joined by Mike, who uh, writes for paulkoharski.com. Mike, I assume your article today is trashed uh or no, did, it, did it go live what was it about Bayard, or was it about something different it is it was about it is well it is about Bayard, um the trade and then the kind of i guess spinning forward what does it mean for this team moving forward both this year and next year uh and beyond obviously so um yeah it, it'll be up soon yeah, YouTube.com slash 440 sports. If you want to join the discussion, you can also join the discussion on Facebook and the Broadway sports pages on Facebook and YouTube. But 440 sports is where most of the people hang out. If you're on Twitter, thanks for watching, but you can't communicate with us because Twitter and X and all that kind of stuff does not communicate and with their chats via any other streaming services. So if you want to join the discussion, you got to head over to the YouTube channel. So we encourage you to go over there. We'll obviously be talking about Kevin Byer. We're obviously talking about Will Levis. We're obviously going to be talking about what's next, blah, 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 blah. But first, Mike, I got to take you to task. You confused the fuck out of everybody by saying that the, the, the Tennessee Titans say $14 million in cap next year because you didn't take into account the accelerated dead cap. It is $6.214 million what they save next year. Shame on you. You know better. uh, They're saving $14 million of cap space, right? Like, not not necessarily 2024 cap, I guess. I I should have been clear. You gotta be, you gotta be, you just caused a bunch of trauma and drama and misunderstandings. You, You should know better. And you should also know better with these tweets dating back to like, oh, they drafted Tajay Sharp in the uh, fifth round, you know, back in the day. Those guys are here. Like, that does not uh, matter uh, to this. No, act. no. So, th- but that tweet is just an example of these are guys that are drafted in the fifth and sixth rounds. Like, these are the kind of guys you can get. Where's your now, Puka I, Nakua in the list? Now, here, here's, here's what I also did in the article that's going up on PK.com today. Is I did yes the the Titans fifth and sixth round picks have been mostly fucking terrible uh, over the past you know I went back to like 2017 or something like that I think because that was about as far back as I was interested in typing them out um, but I went back to 2017 also with the Niners obviously with Carlton's old team and everything like that they have a bunch of hits in there Dre Greenlaw George Kittle uh, 
Taloa Hufanga, um, mm-hmm. even Diamador De- Lenore. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they've got a bunch Drake of Greenlaw. Did you mention Drake Greenlaw? Yeah, he was the first one I mentioned. Um, oh, let, let me say this. If you subscribe to stackintheinbox.com, you would have had this news over the summer and all this information over the summer because I already hit on all this. This is old news by Mike Herndon over at paulkarski.com who's always copying my ideas and taking my ideas for articles. That's okay. It's, you know, the same series form of flattery. So, you know, what can I say? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you're the only one that thought to look up. Only ones. I was the, may not been the only one, but I was the first one and that's what matters. Um, all right. Unless you're, unless you're wrong about cap numbers or miscommunicating, not technically wrong, but not communicating properly your intent. Uh, yeah, I mean. You know, gotta, gotta do that. I just had to take you to task real quick because there were two things that really annoyed me that came from there. But speaking of the Kevin Byer trade, like we said, the the Titans save you know roughly two point four million dollars this year. But it technically, once you add in Terrell Edmonds, they're not saving that much. I think it's like one point four yeah. and saving six point two million dollars next year. Uh, you can go to stackingthinbox.com, see that broken down. You can go to my tweets where I break them down as well. Um, if you take the rollover currently as it sits this year, it is to roughly around $12 million. And if you add it to what the salary cap uh, cap space should be, which is about 86 next year, that takes it up to around, you know, $99 million in cap space. And of course they're going to cut Andre Dillard's ass and uh, there'll be over a hundred. So yeah. let's start with Kevin Byard. I kind of want to kind of going to go in good different directions with Kevin Byard to try to, uh, I want your, you can read my perspective on Kevin Byard, the player in the human at stackinginbox.com. And Mike, I'm you may have like a little ode to Kevin Byard written out for your article as well, but give the people your thoughts on Kevin Byard. Cause I said that I think he's the most important player since Steve McNair to, to the Titans era that he played in. Like, if you think about between McNair was super important to making the Titans relevant, right? And then it kind of just died off for the Tennessee Titans for a while. I mean, they had good players, but nobody was important. And I feel like the current culture that you see, the current style of leadership, the current players all owe a lot to Kevin Byard. Coaches leaned on Kevin Byard. The community and the fans have rooted for Kevin Byard. I think he's one of the most important Titans players since Steve McNair. So what are your thoughts on Kevin Byer, the player slash human, whatever you want to get into? I'll say, um, so my article for paulkarski.com is, is uh, there's not a whole lot of ode in there to Kevin Byer. Uh, and, and that's not, it's more of just an objective look at what this trade actually is with the player he is today, not necessarily the name ID guy or the, you know, not, not having anything to do with who he is as a, person or you know community member or anything else like that so i will say that here that kevin byard has been unbelievable for the titans from a standpoint of leadership doing all of the right things on and off the field um cannot be more appreciative of him as a person to have passed through this organization um and and obviously a tremendous player uh during his time here that being said i i think people think that the titans just traded 
an all pro safety. And I don't think he's been playing like an all pro safety for the last two years. And he's 30 years old and he's unlikely to be to like suddenly resurge into all pro safety mode. In my the, opinion. the amount the, to be honest, he may because now he's in a bigger market and it, he has a better I mean, pass rush. Like it's not because of his talent if he gets another uh, all pro. But can we also be honest here? The people that bring up, well, he has the most interceptions in this time span, and the and he's he's a two time All Pro safety, and they got to you know like that's you're right, that's not who he's been the last two years, and I think that's okay to say. Yeah. Like I I put at the very end of the article is you know I think his impact will be felt more in terms of leadership than on the field play, and like you got to you better go ahead and get something for a veteran than rather than keep him and have nothing to show for it other than the gratitude from fans. Like that's, that's all you're getting from Kevin Byard is a bunch of fans. that are like, Oh, well, at least he retired here, which he can still retire here. It yeah. happens all the time in the NFL. And he's likely to retire here and he will go into the ring of honor. And remember when everybody got all up in arms about Jarrell Casey, he was pissy and, and uh, everybody thought, Oh, well, he, now, you know, he's going to go on and do stuff and be this great guy. And, you know, the Titans have ruined a relationship with them. And there's been like no alumni since they retired that has shown their face more around the facility and in these videos and everything than Jarrell Casey, Eddie George, obviously, if you include the videos. But like Jarrell yes. Casey's everywhere nowadays. He just was yeah. the 12th man, you know, in London. And I, I think exactly. it or something like that. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, he's there for alumni. He, he, he retired, you know, like, guys, it's not as deep as what you guys make it out to be. Yeah, I mean, you you would think they'd like you know shipped him off to you know Guantanamo Bay or something like that. I mean, he's going to Philly where he was born uh, to play for a contender. I'm sure Bayard is probably thrilled to be honest right now. Um, it, it's but yeah, I, I think it's the sentimentality of fans. I understand because like that that is part of being a fan, right? Like you get connected to these guys, you. You back these guys every time an article is put out ranking the safeties. You jump in the comments and say, "Fucking Byard's better than Minka Fitzpatrick," and you know all these other guys. Whatever, I get that. Like that's part of being a fan. But from an objective standpoint, and what what Rand Carthon is paid to do is to look at what this player is right now, what he's going to be over the next two to three years, and make a decision that works best for the Tennessee Titans. And I think if the Titans, regardless of what Vrabel said about, you know, the record and the performance not dictating what that move was, I think if the Titans were five and one, this is not happening, right? Like, this is not happening. It, there's no way they're selling off Kevin Byard for, uh, you know, future assets if they're actually competing. We know what this team is. We've been talking about it all season now. This team is flawed. They're not deep. They they don't have the they don't have the horses. Like what what can you imagine a scenario of the Titans somehow coming to life and being able to knock off the Bills and Dolphins and Chiefs and Ravens and all these other teams that they will have to play in the playoffs if they manage to get there? There's just like I know it happened in 2019. I also know there's completely different circumstances surrounding that team than surrounding this team. So I, I think anyone hanging on to like the the thin margin of hope that this is some 2019, you know, turnaround story. I, I think you're just you're you're 
hoping a lot there that that is not based on anything in reality there's no like and we i think we talked about this on the pod last week there's not a taylor lawan coming off the suspension there's not a ryan Tannehill uh stepping in to to take over for Mariota. there's not an ascending aj brown uh you know sitting there you know coming into his own as a rookie those those conditions don't exist this year so I, i think the titans had to move on um, I think they'd already decided to move on, frankly. I, I think all the, the pay cut thing with Bayard and everything this past offseason told us that they were that Carthon's evaluation when he stepped into the building was probably that I think Kevin Bayard's a good guy. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. I don't think he's worth the contract he's currently on anymore. Uh, you know, as a current player, not over the course of his whole career. And I don't think we should be paying two safeties $30 million, uh, you know, over the next two to three years. So, you know, Amani Hooker um, is what? He's still like 24, 25 years old. He's like ridiculously young for as long as he's been in the league. But I think it's clear they, they were going to move on from Bayard after this season. And this is just getting picks back instead of giving him up for free. I mean, that's, that's the only thing that this is. It is restocking the draft capital that you lost because you did stuff like trade for Hugo Amadi and, and Dennis Daly over the last few years. So it's it's all this is, and I, I think it makes sense for the Titans to make this move as much as it hurts uh, from like a fan standpoint of Kevin Byers, one of my favorite players to have played here. Um, obviously he's got the connection to MTSU and everything like that, which is meaningful for a lot of fans. It, it is, I, I just, I think you've got to separate that from the football decision, which is moving an aging safety that you were paying a lot of money and probably didn't want to be paying a whole lot of money to much longer for possible future assets. I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, it's not like, I mean, the team can get worse, right? And, but it's not like it's getting like going from like a top ten pass defense to a top, uh, you know bottom thirty two or you know right at the right. It's going from twenty eighth and twenty ninth <laughs> to thirty two. Like if, if it, even if they become the worst, it's not guaranteed that they actually become the worst. Right, because right. guess what? Who is contributing to giving up a lot of targets and a lot of yards? Kevin Byer. <laughs> so. Yeah. He was on pace to give up the most targets, the most receptions, and the most yards of his entire career this year. And he has zero, again, zero pass breakups, zero interceptions. He hasn't touched a football this year besides fumble recovery. So that is not uh, top 10 safety guy anymore. Like that, that has, you have to have like Jesse Bates, Javon Holland, Antoine Winfield, Geno Stone, um, Mika you can include Mika Fitzpatrick, Derwin James, Julian Blackman, Harrison Smith still playing at a high level. Uh, Mike Edwards for the um, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. You could probably put Trevon Maureen, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Kyle Hamilton is somehow actually being good this year, and that's probably because yeah. of the pass rush in front of him. There's a lot of safeties you get to before you get to Kevin Byard. Now, if you're talking like over the last eight years of Kevin Byard's career, if you include all of Kevin Byard's career, I agree. He's like one of the best safeties of his career span. Right. But over the last two years, he's not been a top 10 safety in my opinion. And I said it over the off season that he cannot play on the current contract. I got railed for it. 
And then here comes Ren Carthon, ask him to take a paycheck or pay cut. And he does. And as soon as he did, I say, well, he's not going to be here next year. So he definitely took a pay cut. And then he gets traded. And, spare, and let me say this. I said it at the contract discussions at the pay cut, pay cut destruction or uh, uh, discussion that at the end of the day, I applaud his PR team. They are so fucking good at making it seem like Kevin Byard is true two tone blue through and through, and it has nothing to do with money. They just conveniently leave out that part because you know at the beginning it was like, well, we've never really asked for a cut or a trade when you know that the truth is probably like somewhere in the middle, right? Because that's how discussions go. And then this time around, they they leak it to Terry McCormick, who puts it out, and they say, well, he he didn't really ask for the trade. He wanted to be here. He wanted to end his career with Nashville. End his career with Nashville, dot, 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 with an extension. That's been their, always been their thing is that they want an extension. They want more money. And, and they don't, they, he did not, his play did not mean that he wanted more money. But I, and I'm not being sarcastic, I think it's great PR. I think his team played it perfectly. And to be honest, because they weren't willing to budge off an extension, he's going to Philadelphia, which, there is no switch to flip with Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard wasn't checked out. Kevin oh, Byard, I, yeah, yeah, because I got this Cooper guy who's saying that he's checked hard. out. I mean, yeah. come on, no one is suggesting that's, not, he's that's not, not in hard. his DNA. Yeah, it's that the surroundings are aren't good enough for him to and, cover up his deficiencies. And, and as guys, he gets older, he's a thirty-year-old safety who wasn't very fast to begin with. Guess what happens when they turn 30 and they, they start slowing down? Yeah, guess what? You can't cover Evan Ingram anymore. Like, we saw Evan Ingram completely undress Kevin Byard last year in man coverage. Like, he, he, there was a time when you could put Kevin Byard on the best tight ends in the league. Logan like, Ryan is Jimmy apparently Graham, still stuck uh, in that time because he thinks that he, he's yeah. still elite against man-to-man uh, and tight ends. So, yeah, okay. Logan Ryan's remembering the guy that he played with. Who was that guy? Like, the 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 you know, Logan Ryan remembers, but Logan Ryan hasn't been here the last two years and hasn't seen, you know, the skills start to slip a little bit. And it happens to everybody. And and I, I know fans just never want to give up on like the guys that they love. But at some point, like we're saying this about Henry too, right? Like Henry is declining. He is declining. I, I know people want to blame it on everything else. It's offensive line. It's offensive coordinator. It's you know, the shoes they're wearing, it's the new field turf, it's anything but Henry's fault, it's anything but Bayard's fault. And it's not their fault, it's just the nature of what it means to be a 30-year-old player in the they National Football League. They have to be it's carried now, they game. have to have compliments. They, they used right. to, Derrick Henry could run behind any offensive line and and go through any defender. Kevin Bayard used to be able to cover up uh, tight ends one-on-one, he used to be able to run to the ball and make plays and diagnose quickly and his body would match his brain. They're not that anymore. So what you see to me, it doesn't really matter what Kevin Byer does. It's what in, in Philadelphia. And I know that's hard for fans because they're just obsessed. Anytime AJ Brown is shown on the sidelines breathing. Uh, hey, if you guys don't want to hear about it, just don't fucking watch the game. Like if that, if it bothers hey, hey, you that much. Hey, don't get on – also, don't get on Twitter during an Eagles primetime game because guess yeah. what? People are going to be talking about it because how could you – like, I can't – I personally stupid, cannot watch – I can't watch A.J. Brown without going and, and see him just dominating 
and then watch turn around and watch the Titans on Sunday make make first downs look like the most difficult task in the entire world and not think about shit I can't believe they really traded him so yeah if I do comment Billy, about it, that to sometimes. me it doesn't matter because it matters what they do with the draft picks but also he's good in Philly because he's part of a better defense it has nothing to do with his work ethic his skill or anything like that He's just in a better situation. And when you go to better situations, you typically reap the benefits of that situation in your surroundings. He's likely to find more tipped passes head his way for interceptions. He's likely to find probably he's going to make a couple more tackles and, and maybe make a couple more pass breakups because that's just going to be the nature of the game. But let's be honest, what matters is what the Titans do with this fifth round and sixth round pick and what those guys turn into. What do these picks turn into? Because at the end of the day, you see it after every couple of years, you'll see like, well, who who really got the better end of the Christian McCaffrey deal? Like I was kind of looking at when Christian McCaffrey got traded for other purposes. But when when does, like, where did those picks go for Christian McCaffrey? What were they used on? Who do those players ended up being? And that's usually a couple of, a year or two down the road. So we won't know until 2025 really start to see who won the trade. Like, obviously, we already know after one year, Eagles definitely won the trade unless Traylon Burks well, turns into some, like, magnificent wide receiver out yeah. of nowhere. The Eagles won the trade. Yeah. No, and I also think that it's possible that both teams win the trade, right? Because if Kevin Byard goes to Philly and helps the Eagles' pass defense improve, which I think he will, I, I think he'll be better than what they've had at safety because safety has been a major problem for them this year. But they've also been uh, a top 12, top 15, top 10, depending on what metric you look at past yeah. defense already. This guy, yeah. Andrew Cooper is just, I guess just on the wanting to lie all damn day today. Uh, he says Eagles have one of the bottom pass defenses in the league. Since when? Like, like maybe, where is that maybe, metric coming from? I, I know they've struggled in the secondary, but their overall pass defense, which includes the pass rush, uh, yeah. it has to be said, which is elite is their overall pass defense is good. It's better than the Titans for sh for certain. Like, right? Like the Titans again, like it's certainly possible that Bayard improves the Eagles pass defense to some degree and helps them maybe helps them win a Super Bowl. And that's great if that happens. But it's also pretty likely, I think, that the fifth and sixth round picks that the Titans get are more likely to be starters on this team in 2024, 2025, 2026 which is what the Titans are prioritizing now and what they probably should have been prioritizing this past offseason um, than what Kevin Byard would have been for them at age 32, 33. Um, so I just think that, that it's possible that it works out for both teams. Like if Byard achieves the short-term goals for the Eagles, that's a win for the Eagles, no matter what the fifth and sixth round picks turn into. If the Titans fifth and sixth round picks turn out to be like starters for a team that maybe is pretty good in a few years, that's a win for the Titans, regardless of what Kevin Byard does for the Eagles. So I just think it's, yeah, it's impossible to like grade the trade right now. Um, and, and look, I'm, I trust Rand Carthon that he probably got the most that he could for Byard. Like, I, I don't think, you know, he screwed the pooch as far as, you know, he could have gotten more elsewhere. I'm sure he got all the offers that he possibly could, called teams that had shown interest previously, all that stuff. 
um, and got and took the best deal that was on the table. I just think that's what Bayard's market is right now is, you know, the equivalent of like a late fourth round pick, which is what those two picks combined are. I look at it this way and I brought this up and I'm, I'm going to be on the tighten up podcast this week uh, because I guess when bad news breaks, uh, they want, I'm the first guy they think of. Um, but I said it this way, if you never thought this guy was going to be here next year, which I'm one of those guys, I don't think that yeah. Kevin Byard's is going to be here next year. I'm fairly certain Derek Henry may not be here next year. Ryan Tannehill was definitely not going to be here next year. Yeah. If you're one of those guys that thinks a certain player's not going to be here, get what you can now. Because guess what? They're not helping this team. This team has not changed at all um, in in anything that has to do with, um, with, with it. Because, I mean, like we said, we said that they were 28th in, in EPA, uh, the, this Titans pass defense, and like 29th or 30th in success rate. It's not that far of a drop. It does not really matter if they are, if they are here or not, because like, if you look at the EPA allowed by the defense on on pass plays for the Eagles, if I can pull it up, I hate, I hate the first time. Sometimes when you log into this RBDS, RBSDM, when you log in it, like it kind of like doesn't let you sort, but in terms of drop back per EPA, so on pass plays, they are 12th. Looking at it right here. Got a good guy telling me that they're like 20th or something. And on pass plays, uh, their success rate is, where is it? They are 7th in success rate allowed. So, th- I mean, if you're talking about EPA play like that, that's it's the pass rush is included in your pass defense. And that's what matters. And that's what's going to make Kevin Byer look good. That's what makes almost all safeties and secondaries look good across the league is pass rush first, your edge rushers, your defensive line, getting to the quarterback, disrupting plays. And right now, I I mean, when you're talking about adding him to what I say, like the 12th best, I think for EPA per play, they offer in the 12th lowest. That's, that's a good place for him to land. And it's a good place for him to still maybe knock out a couple of years of left in his career. And I also want to say this because, you know, there was a comment in here about, you know, you guys just got done talking about what a bum Byard's been lately. He hasn't been a bum, and we never said that. We're, we're saying that he has not played to the ridiculously high bar that he's. That set may be for sarcasm from Wisco Titans, by the way. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but maybe so. But I do want to address that because I've, I feel like people always take it that way when you do you know say something about their favorite player and immediately, oh, you called him a bum. You, you think he's terrible. We, I think we both feel like Kevin Byard has been a good, maybe slightly above average NFL safety over the past couple of years, but that he's not reaching those like top five, top 10 levels that he used to be every single year, right? Like that used to be. And he's that's not where affecting the games like is. he used to. Correct. Yeah. He's not making the huge plays that he used to. Um, and, and look, I mean, he's a part of that pass defense that is bad. It is actively bad, has been for the past two years. And frankly, I think Terrell Edmonds, because we haven't really talked about that part of this deal at all yet, I think Terrell Edmonds is kind of a a, a smart grab here by, by Rand Carthon. I mean, obviously, former first-round pick. He's been a starter for five years. I mean, he was a starter in Philly, too, so going on six years as a full-time starter um, for the Steelers and now the Eagles, you know, 
I don't think he played great this season with the Eagles, but he's been a solid starter. I, you know, Steelers fans want him back. Uh, you know, they're they're saying, why don't we flip a pick to the Titans to try to get Edmonds from him now? So I, I think Edmonds is going to be a viable starter for this team. I don't think it's going to be a huge drop off. Like, and that's going to sound blasphemous, but I think uh, Bayard's been a, a maybe a slightly above average safety. And I think Edmonds will probably be an average to slightly below average starting safety for the Titans. So like, what's the, the Delta there for one safety that downgrades from above average to slightly below average, let's say, I don't think that like, for an example, Vegas doesn't think it means shit because the line hasn't moved at all since the Bayard trade was announced, right? The the line for Titans Falcons, it was at two before the trade. It's at two now. Well, like, luckily, that's, luckily they ha- they're facing Desmond Ritter. So it's not well, like, <laughs> well, I mean, but it's you not know, like that, that Bayard would affect that, you know? Well, I'm just saying like, but that, that's the point. Like you, that is not a position. That's not a premium position in, in, in the NFL. Um, it's not one of these positions that like, massively affects the outcome of games for the most part, even a very good one like Bayard. So I just don't think it's going to turn out to be some like, oh, well, now the Titans pass defense is trash because they don't have Kevin Bayard. You, you're I, not going to be able to tell a difference. They were already trash. I think they're going to be trash continuing moving forward. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's going to be like this huge thing where it's like, oh, the Titans are giving up 10 more points per game now or something like that. Like that. No, I don't think it's going to be that kind of difference. And and, and and Stoney said it right here. Uh, he he was working on yesterday. And we were talking yesterday about Terrell Edmonds, and uh, I go, I go, I have no clue what he's going to be. Vrabel had Andrew Adams looking really good for a long stretch of time yeah. last year, and he go he replies, "That's what I'm saying." And the way the Eagles' defense used Edmonds made it really hard to get a read on what the, he will be here in this defense. Now he's working on a he's got a uh, what we'll release later today. We'll have a film film study later today at stacking inbox about Terrell Edmonds. But like, I don't know, like I can't, I'm kind of surprised that a player was included and a player that other teams kind of still want. Um, and it's, he's, I mean, Steelers fans don't want anybody that plays bad, but somehow they want Terrell Edmonds. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't really put much stock in PFF grades, and I'll be honest, the only play I've seen of Terrell Edmonds is the one that everyone showed when he got when he got burnt yeah. by uh, whatever, which guess hey, what? Kevin Byers going to get burnt in that same exactly. play. <laughs> I thought the exact same thing. I was like, hey, if you think Kevin Byard is running with Tyreek Hill, I got news for you, buddy. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Terrell Edmonds, like, it, there's still a reason to be interested in him, I think. I mean, he's 26 years old. Um and he was a freak athlete coming out of Virginia Tech. Like his mock draftable spider chart is like almost that big, like big blue circle uh, where yeah. he's maxed everything out. I mean, he's four four seven forty. Um, you know, forty over forty one. He was the inch shock of that jump. draft though. When he got drafted, he was, he was the shock of that first round. Most people had him as like a third round guy, and the Steelers grabbed him at the end of the first. And hey, I mean this the Steelers. I, I feel like he was a good compliment to Minka Fitzpatrick while he was there. I mean, he played on a lot of really good Steelers defenses. Um, so I don't think he's like some complete bum um, that they're bringing in here. I, I think he's going to help them a little bit. And and I think putting Amani Hooker into, you know, the Titans are going to play their safeties interchangeably. That's just what they do. They're going to play a lot of Molden's an important piece of that. And I think Molden's going to be in the mix still as well. But I think Edmonds, 
you can kind of toggle it to where it's going to be a little bit. If you're going to drop somebody deep, you want it to mostly be hooker. Um, and if you're going to roll somebody down, you want it to mostly be Edmonds. I mean, they're going to flip flop some too, but it, I think you can slide those, those levers slightly to make it to where you're maximizing Edmonds strength, which is around the box, being able to be in run support, tackling all of that, all of those things that he does well. While hooker does play a really good center field. And frankly, I think, I've thought for the last couple of years that Hooker was their better coverage safety between the two. I, I mean, I think he is more dynamic as far as speed, athleticism, everything like that, being able to run with with tight ends and, and backs out of the backfield um, than what Byard was. I, I think Hooker still is a good player when healthy. The biggest problem with him is just staying on the field. So I'm excited to see what, what Edmonds actually looks like because he's a guy that like, Hey, it's worth grabbing for an 11 game. Look, you got an 11 game tryout and then you've got all this cap space. You could re-sign him if you want pretty easily after the season. Um, but you get an 11 game tryout for a potential starting safety. Who's 26 years old. So I I'm totally here for the Edmonds pickup part of this as well. Uh, I want to get into a, a, a thing about this buyer trade and kind of the vibes that, the trade gives off, but it also ties into the benching of Andre Dillard, the benching of Xavier Newman Johnson when he wasn't working, uh, choosing to go Will Levis over Malik Willis, which we'll talk more in depth about that here in just a second. But it seems like this, with John Robinson gone, things are moving at an accelerated pace with admitting mistakes or moving on from players because... We we know that John Robinson has admitted mistakes before, but they usually take place, you know, after a full year. This stuff is coming within a year. You could say that the Titans trying to be who they were, doing a glow up instead of a blow up, was the wrong mistake, and they're sort of trying to correct that uh, by trading Kevin Byard, possibly trading Derrick Henry, which seems to be the rumor starting to generate up on that, and maybe some other pieces. But they, they're admitting, okay, maybe we made the wrong move. Now, Mike Vrabel's words would tell you otherwise, but I think that is the message that you send out in public to the players that they would hear. You can't go out there and say, yeah, we made a mistake and we're not going to compete. We're not trying to win. I mean, they are trying to win. They just may not be able to put together wins. Yeah, I mean... But it seems I, like this, this team is admitting mistakes a little bit quicker and making changes to try to course correct the future. Yeah, I, I think I don't think this is a throwing in the towel pick either. I like or move. I, I I think this is them being opportunistic in moving a guy who they felt was declining for draft assets that they needed. You know, they they restocked their fifth and sixth round picks basically. So they're almost back to neutral for the twenty twenty four draft. They're missing the third rounder that they gave up for Levis, obviously. Um, and who knows, maybe they can flip somebody to to get back into that that round as well um i'd be kind of surprised if anybody fetched that high of a pick from the current roster but i don't think it's waving the white flag because like i said i don't think their pass defense is going to get a whole lot worse um the run defense isn't going to get any worse and and it's going to be up to will levis i guess uh is to what this season looks like moving forward more or less right like that's how i view this is 
Kevin, the Kevin Byer trade is not going to dictate the direction of the season. It's going to be the quarterback position. It's going to be what ha- is Will Levis good? Is Will Levis bad? Is is Ryan Tannehill coming back? You know, it, which I think we're all at the point now where we kind of hope Tannehill doesn't start again. Um, unless, I mean, maybe it, you know, if they win this game, but Levis plays bad, and and you know, there's maybe some sort of scenario where you could be like, all right, well, they're they're kind of back to five hundred ish. And Tannehill's healthy, so let's let's try to keep winning. Um, and I don't think they should tank, right? Like I don't think they should be intentionally trying to lose, but I do think they should be. Yeah, they, they, they may not on, be able to help it. <laughs> well, exactly. I, I don't think that I don't think that that's going to be a decision for them of whether or not they want to win. Um, but the uh, the priority certainly has to be what does this team look like in 2024, 2025, 2026? That, that's the priority at this point. And what makes the most sense for the future of this team? Uh, and I think moving Bayard made sense. And, and like you said, I think Henry, Autry, Tannehill, guys that aren't going to be here the next time the Titans are actually good and ready to contend, mm-hmm. get what you can for me. Yeah, Fulton, uh, another perfect example. Like if you if someone is willing to give you anything for Christian Fulton, just take it. Uh, just take it at this point. It'd be interesting to see. Um, you never know what happens with Ryan Tannehill. I'm kind of getting this, uh, you know, initially I'm like, well, you know, he's not going to be healthy. Who's going to trade for him? Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm thinking, man, the Browns are in such a bad situation. There's a couple other quarterback situations that are bad, but they have good teams around them. And then I'm thinking, Mike Rabel kind of left the door open. I don't know why, but he kind of left the door open that he could play this week. We'll see where Ryan Tannehill's at today kind of deal. And I'm just thinking, well, maybe he's healthy enough by Halloween to interest a team. And I'm just kind of thinking that. I'm just kind of throwing it. It's, it's very far-fetched. And I don't think it's very likely. But there is that possibility that door is open. Um, you know, I, I just like that they, they, they may not be making... Um, I feel like they're making sensible moves with almost every, every trade. Or every transaction or decision they make, they're making sensible moves. Yeah, you could say not not every sensible decision or sensible move they made obviously has not worked out. That's life. Andre Diller is a perfect example. It was sensible for them to go out and get a left tackle in free agency, and it was it was sensible that it was Andre Dillard and not Mike McGlinchey, and it didn't work out. But they, that was the sensible move. It was sensible to draft Peter Skaronsky. It was, and you can go down the list. And so far, Rand Carthon has made more moves, more better moves than bad moves. But I do like that every decision that they make just is sensible. And it may not work, and you may not agree with it, but everything has a a rhyme or reason to it. And I do not think they should be buyers unless it's for someone like T. Higgins or Mike Evans or someone like that at the trade deadline and you sign them to an extension immediately. Like, I could see that being a move, but if you're telling me, I think Trace uh, was the one who said something about Trent Brown, I'm good on Trent Brown. Like, I I, I get that he's very good, and he would be an immediate upgrade and immediate help, but I'd rather them draft a left tackle than trade for a left tackle, if that makes sense. At the current state of their team, that's what I would like. I would like for them to go after a Joe Alt or Ola Fashinako, whatever his last name is. Um, I'd rather them go after one of those guys than go after Trent Brown 
at this point in in their uh at where the team state is. Uh, yeah. But I would be great. It'd be great if they went after and got like T Higgins or Mike Evans or someone like that, that can be an impact player for the next couple of years that helps your young quarterback. I'd be okay with that, but that would have to be how it, how it goes out for, for me to be acceptable with them to be buyers. Uh, yeah. But let's talk yeah. about, the Will Levis decision. What do you What do you have, real quick? We'll go. I was gonna say I I do think you know if you could. So to me, Trent Brown is like the only left tackle available on free agency next year that I'm interested in, and and it does worry me a little bit that like he's only ever been good in New England, basically, um, which is is a concern. But I, that's the guy that I think if you could get him on the offensive line, he probably does help uh right away um and if you could sign him to a two or three year extension immediately like i i wouldn't be totally opposed to that but i agree that like i mean assuming the titans are going to draft somewhere around the top 10 ish which i think is pretty likely um i think yeah you're going to be in the range for either alt or fashanu and and those guys are really really good tackle prospects i mean those guys are both better tackle prospects than paris johnson jr uh the top tackle from last year's draft so you're you're talking about a good tackle class you could find an immediate starter in that class at left tackle and then you fill in your other spots in free agency with your you know war chest of of cap dollars that you're going to have available now so it's it's not like and I mentioned this in my article that I was talk uh, that is coming out today. It doesn't a rebuild doesn't necessarily mean it has to be like five years down the road. Like it, it could happen fast. The biggest question is going to be whether you have the quarterback, um, which is you know kind of what we're about to get into here. But um, if they have if if Levis, let's say Levis turns out to be a hit, which you know your mileage may vary on your belief for that. Um, let's say Levis turns out to be a hit. It would not be anything for them to go out and get, you know, a T Higgins in free agency, throw a couple elite pass rushers in there. Like, I mean, you could get like a Bryce Huff and a Chase Young or, or something like that uh, on the free agent market next year. And, you know, maybe you find a corner and a safety. You've got a hundred million dollars worth of cap space, which you can stretch pretty far too, if you structure it, you know, in, in certain ways. So it, it is, quite possible that they could rebuild this thing on the fly pretty quickly if they've hit on the quarterback spot, which is why and, you and have really to play to me, and find out. Yeah. And really, to me, it's more about when you say hit, and here's how I would define hit in my head, is that he's in the 60%. We talk about the 20-60-20. I think if he's in the 60%, you can clearly say, maybe we can get him to the 20% you know, with a couple more years under his belt in our system, we can get him that. But if he's in the 60% of quarterbacks around the NFL, if he is, if he is, um, you know, your Derek Carr, your Kirk Cousins, you know, at a, at a younger Derek Carr, get yeah. him at a Kirk Cousins, get him at Ryan Tannehill viability, maybe in 2019, 2020, when things go around them and things are around them are good, he is good. That's enough to keep him on and build around him. And then then you keep building and keep making everything good around him. Matthew Stafford is, is kind of an example of that as well. But there is a that's a guy you want to me, I want him in that 60% where 
he is good enough to win you a Super Bowl if everything around him is perfect. And then you actually go and make, use the money, use all your draft picks and make everything around him good. But if he's in the bottom 20%, then where you clearly see the Malik Willis, uh, um, Justin Fields, who shows Zach Justin Fields Wilson. shows flashes, Zach Wilson, guys you really can't build around. Now, they may find success elsewhere in other systems, but if, what matters here is what they can do in Tennessee. With he clearly shows he's not the future, then that that slows your rebuild, right? Your how fast your rebuild happens is all dependent upon Will Levis. Yeah, it's and and but I I think playing him now and finding out more information over the next eleven games gives you the chance to make that decision if if he's not the guy, which I mean obviously it's much much better if he is right like because then you have your quarterback you can uh start building around him and you could you could throw some real resources at solidifying the offensive line getting some extra weapons you know getting that pass defense finally fixed um all that stuff so there's there's an opportunity for a very quick turnaround like in some examples i use like the Ravens, the Eagles, the Steelers, um, the Seahawks, all of those teams have had like very short downturns that then they quickly just pop right back from in recent years because they had stable, you know, coaching staffs for one um, is, is a part of that. But also they were just able to make the transition to the new the new quarterback in most most of these cases, you know, Flacco to Lamar. Uh, Roethlisberger to Pickett, you know, who and Pickett hasn't even been that good, but the Steelers are still pretty good because they've got a lot of resources around him. Um, and you're able to bounce right back. So I, I think that the Titans have that window in front of them if Levis hits. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, if Levis doesn't hit, then you at least know that you need a quarterback. And there's a, a really good quarterback class coming up in the draft. You know, even if you're not in the range to get Caleb Williams or or Drake May. You know, maybe you do go third third year in a row taking quarterback and you grab, uh, you know, Michael Penix or, um, you know, whoever you like is your kind of third quarterback in this class. And there's a ton of options out there right now that, that you know, Jaden Daniels, you know, I, there's a lot of guys that are playing good football. Uh, Jaden Daniels is playing damn good football for LSU for for college. Well, yeah, not, well, I I agree. Yeah. I'm I'm not totally convinced that he's the guy, but like, there's a lot of good quarterback play at the college football level right now. So there's going to be guys that that provide you with some interesting uh, scenarios to move forward with if you're drafting in the top ten. So um, you've got to find out though. Like you can't you can't just play Levis this week. And then Tannehill comes back and is hobbling around in week eight and you're throwing him back out there and you're you're slugging it out, trying to, you know, fight your way up to six wins for the season or whatever. Um, you just can't do that. Like they and I don't think they will, because I think this Bayard thing tells me that they're thinking they're finally thinking. Yes, we want to win the games each week, but it's more important that we're prepared for the next version of the Titans. Because this 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 window is closed. It's closed. Like I, I don't know if there's any other bigger writing on the wall than trading Kevin Byard. That this window is closed, and the Titans know it now, uh, and they need to start working on building the new window, not trying to like 
crowbar the old window back open by like you know throwing ryan Tannehill back to the the wolves fully fully agree with you uh um i i kind of want to talk about will levis expectations and things like that uh will levis you know what you're looking for is like a baseline of like 200 to two this team needs a passer that can get you 230 plus yards a game like that's really i mean 225 you can maybe get away with it but that's asking a lot from rookie i wouldn't be surprised if he has more interceptions and touchdowns that typically a lot of rookies do uh he's got to get the ball out quick and he in college with a bad offensive line this is college this is kentucky but this is the versus you know the sec is closest thing you can get to simulating nfl i guess competition out of the consensus top four quarterbacks anthony richardson cj stroud bryce young will levis he was the fastest time to throw 2.40 seconds so you hope it, that that can translate and he's not the one of the slower ones which he was 2.76 seconds according to pff in on dropbacks where he attempted a pass because the problem was i think it was like 4.8 in the preseason in the nfl on sacks so you, that is indicative of holding on to a ball too long so you he's got to get the ball out quick which means that it's very important that tim kelly and they've been practicing with Will Levis with the one since last week um, during the bye week practices that were closed off. So it'll be, it'll be hopeful that Will Levis turns in that they have built a quick passing game plan because here's the problem with the Falcons. They have a great run defense. They have one of the best run defenses in terms of EPA allowed, but they have a pass defense similar to the Tennessee Titans. So the Technically, the best way to attack the Falcons is through the air. But you got to, hopefully, with the, with a bye week, and Mike Vrabel's really good come with day, multiple days to prepare over the standard days in between a Sunday to Sunday week, that they have put in a good game plan for Will Levis, and they have dedicated a lot of time to helping Will Levis get quick hit passes and I feel like Kyle Phillips needs to be, be a big part of that. But setting expectations, you want to see him get the ball out quick. You want to see him hit receivers in stride and not be afraid to try to squeeze in a throw for an NFL open throw. You want him to see him use his athleticism, which he, at this point, I don't know if he has that much different of athleticism than Malik Willis right now. Uh, what we've seen on the field from Malik Willis has not been what was the prince that was promised from Liberty in terms of athleticism. Right. But I think that Will Levis has the athleticism. I think you need to get creative with the offense and, and they need to make life easier for him, which falls onto the offensive line. But what are your expectations for Will Levis? If he were to start all 11 games, like what, what, isn't that what it is? It's not really about the stat line per se. Yeah. It's how the stat line happens, I guess. What is the process leading to that stat? Yeah, it's definitely not the stats at the end of the day for me. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be simply based on like like what you said. Is he getting test, the ball almost. out on time? Is is he 
reading out his progressions in a way that makes sense and looks correct um, on film. Like, you know, is he passing up open receivers? Like one of, one of my biggest gripes and, and this goes all the way back to the Mar the end of the Mariota timeframe in, in 2019, you know, there was this big dust up in Titans Twitter, uh, you know, between myself and what felt like the rest of Titans Twitter about Mariota because I was saying, you know, it was everyone was blaming the offensive line. The offensive line's terrible, awful. You know, they give up all these sacks. And I kept watching the film and I'm going, he's passing up open receivers and holding the football. And and that is making the offensive line look worse than it is. And then what do you know? They put Ryan Tannehill in there and he's cutting it loose, challenging tight windows, making throws that are, you know, maybe not wide open, but, you know, are NFL open. And wow, the offensive line protection looks a lot better. All of a sudden things are going well. People were accusing the offensive line of blocking better for Tannehill than they they did for Mariota as if it was some sort of like secret conspiracy. So I think that that part of it comes very much into play in how an offensive system works and looks. And and I want to see Levis be decisive. I want to see him challenge tight windows like you said not be afraid of throwing interceptions because you cannot be afraid of throwing the ball to an uh, a receiver that is nfl open at the nfl level so a lot of times that's the one of the biggest adjustments that a quarterback has to make i'm actually encouraged that levis might make that adjustment better than most because of the offensive you know style that he ran at kentucky it was pro style offense and he did not have great receivers that last year uh, when he was there. Obviously, he had Wanda Robinson his junior year when he was putting up the the bigger numbers. But that last season, he was playing with a couple freshman and wide receivers, and he had to make more tight window throws than what your normal college star quarterback does. You know, because Mariota, when he was with Chip Kelly at Oregon, he had guys running wide ass open all the time, and he never had to make uncomfortable throws. Now he put up video game stats, but it's because guys were just running in acres of space and he was hitting them and, and he had good accuracy and all that stuff. But um, it made his transition to the NFL harder because that's what he was used to. He was used to throwing to guys who were, you know, five yards clear of the nearest defender and that doesn't happen in the NFL. Um, so I, I'm encouraged that maybe we'll see something better from Levis on that, but also let's see some of that playmaking ability. Let's see him be able to extend plays by, you know, I think one of Tannehill's biggest weaknesses is, he is very weak when it comes to his play strength um, and being able to, you know, even break arm tackles in the pocket or step out of, you know, a guy grabbing him by the shoulder pads or, or something like that. Like you see a defensive end run by and like grab the shoulder pad of like, let's say Deshaun Watson or, or even Patrick Mahomes, somebody like that. And they just shrug him right off and, and you know, roll out and, and hit somebody open down the field. Tannehill goes down like a sack of potatoes like that. It's not his fault. That's just, he's 207 pounds. He's not a strong guy by NFL standards. Um, Levis is Levis is built like a tank. You know, he looks like, you know, Mr. Universe over there with his, his bodybuilding pictures and stuff, but uh, he needs to be able to use that play strength to shrug off some tackles in the pocket, to be able to create out of structure. Like that's the stuff that I would love to see because I think that's necessary for him to reach his potential and to be the, the quarterback that the Titans need him to be at the next level. So totally I want to see all that stuff and I don't care what the stats resulting yeah. look like. I, I am with you. Uh, 
we'll, we'll get on out of here because I know the Titans press conference is about to start. Mike Vrabel's at the podium. Then weirdly, they're advertising Ryan Tannehill as well, which may, doesn't make much sense, but That's it's probably odd. just an old graphic that they forgot to change or something. Maybe. But anyway, Titans are, you're going to the game, but Titans are obviously winning this game. They have two weeks to prepare. Will Levis is pl- pl- playing. They're in the Oilers uniforms. Just, it feels like everybody, when everybody is just so, so very down on the Tennessee Titans, they pull out a win. I'm going uh, Titans win 24-17. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually just join you on that score prediction because okay. that's right around where I was going to be. And the Titans have a phenomenal record when I'm in the house. So um, you're you all go. welcome for this this upcoming win. That will do this for us. This has been Football Under the Airforce. You can follow Mike Herndon on X at Mike Herndon NFL. You can follow me on X at Efforts Pod. Make sure you go to Hendersonville, Tennessee to go to Bluegrass Beverages, our sponsor. They've been serving the Hendersonville area for over 50 years. They're fantastic people to deal with. They have two beer caves, lots of wine, lots of liquor. Everything you could look for is beers that you can't find anywhere else. So make sure you head to Bluegrass Beverages. For Zach, for Mike Herndon, I'm Zach Lyons. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been f